0: Welcome to Trek Film Society, the show on Talk Film Society, where we talk about Star Trek, uh, and um, that's pretty much all we talk about. (laughs) Uh, I'm Mike, and I'm joined, as always, by Marcelo. How's it going, Marcelo? It's going great, Mike. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, man. Couldn't be better. (laughs) I've been sitting at home that's about it that's about it that's about it uh but we're also joined by diego as always how's it going diego oh it's not great <laughs> uh, yeah it's really bad i'm, I'm running out of beer <laughs> i'm gonna have to Uh-oh. go to the store this week oh or you could go to the uh enterprise uh, engineering section where they have you know because they shot that in the Brewery. Oh, that's right. make fun of that. Oh, yeah. okay, but that's okay. That makes sense. I, I thought it yeah cool. I don't know, what's smart. I think it looks fine. Filmmaking. You know, whatever. Yeah. Everyone's like, it looks like a brewery. I'm like, I've never been to a brewery. I don't know. Brewery you know yeah. Like now, now, know. now that that is pointed out to me,
1: yes. Uh, it, uh, when I see this movie again, I'll say, "Yep, that's the brewery shot." That's yeah. It. No, there's a yeah. lot of funny nitpicks we could talk about with this movie
2: that I do think are genuinely funny, but I'm also like, I don't care. <laughs>
0: Yep, yep. The movie that we're going to be talking about this week is Star Trek 2009, directed by J.J. Abrams. (sighs) Do we talk about the animated series before or after? Let's say after. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. I guess.
1: I don't really know. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, uh, either way... Wait, um, no.
2: I, forg- I I would recommend beforehand, because this one okay. does kind of signal off... I mean, it's a literal handing of the torch. Like, there's literal torches in the scenes where they're
1: handing off the torch. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I, okay. I would Yeah, let's start that. with the old, vers- and then yeah. the new.
0: Okay. So, Star Trek, the animated series, uh, Season 1, Episode 2. Now, Star Trek, the animated series, I mean, just so that you guys know, it, like... Star Trek went off the air in 1969, not because people stopped watching, but because it was too expensive. And it went into reruns, became super popular, whatever, and, and the network was like, hey, animated series? And Gene Roddenberry was like, okay, but I'm going to do it myself and it's going to be for real. This isn't going to be you know, some kids, whatever. This is going to be for real. So he hired back like uh, the entire writing staff really from the original series to like do this, you know, and then this episode that we watched was written by DC Fontana, who, you know, was one of the, f- the founders of the series. And, Um, you know, rewrote, like, City on the Edge of Forever, which is referenced here and everything like that. They did a Tribbles episode, which was written by David Gerald, who wrote, you know, the original Tribbles episode, things like that. So, I mean, they were like, we're taking this seriously. They got the, well, not the entire cast, but almost the entire cast uh, back to do the voices. Originally, they were just going to get Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner, and then have James Doohan and Majel Barrett do all the other voices. But it was Leonard Nimoy who stepped up and said, um, "This show is all about diversity, and you're not going to have George Takei or Nichelle Nichols. You know the the you know the two cast members which embody that diversity more than anyone else. Uh, if if you don't hire them, then I'm not going to do this." So they hired them, you know? I mean, uh, but Walter Koenig didn't make the cut, Mm -hmm. um, I guess, (laughs) you know, know, what can you do? But what they did do was they went to him and said, sorry, and he's like, well, could I write one? And they're like, sure. So he actually got to write an episode of the animated series, even though he didn't get to perform in it. Uh, And they replaced uh, Chekhov with... um, that character, I th- believe his name is Lieutenant Erics. I don't think we see him in this episode. He's an orange guy, and he's got a third arm and a third leg, and uh, like just like a third arm just coming out of his chest. And uh, he's my favorite character because uh, <laughs> there's one time Max and I were doing a commentary <laughs> for an episode, and he appears on the screen, and my friend Max is like that third arm. It's actually his penis. And that's all I can think about now whenever I see the guy. So you know what? Um sorry, Walter Koenig, but these things happen. Um so anyway, what do you guys think about this thing? Because it's a thing. I okay, I have many questions. Um,
1: this is my first time seeing this. Okay. Yeah. Um Mike is preparing himself I can see him on the zoom. Um <laughs> So, okay, you've answered some questions already, Mike, about when this came about and how this came about. I don't know if this is talked about enough, considering, well, at least on my in my perspective, considering it seems like this is like Gene Roddenberry's baby, right? But it only lasted two seasons, which is odd. You know, yeah. you, I, I would have thought it would have lasted more. Um, but... My impression of this episode is like it's it's a, it's a, it's a nicely written episode. I, I enjoyed it. It was a nice, you know, quasi sequel to "City on the Edge of Forever." That's the mm-hmm. name of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, and it had uh, a nice emotional impact of you know something dying I'm not going to ruin what it is. Um, but yeah, I I'm like this. It's still you know considering it's I think it's a good enough story for you know the 24 minutes. I'm still like, why is there a big bird there? Why is why is that part of the crew? Um, and I don't know. It's it seems like an odd thing. Did 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 this air like, you know, during the Saturday morning cartoon uh, yeah. uh, slot? What? Why? <laughs> it seems more like you know you put it on like seven p.m. on a Saturday or something. It just it just seems not too kid friendly. If that makes that,
0: sense. That, that was I mean that was like the. What the critics were saying about it at the time, you know, like you go back and you look at reviews and they're like, this plays on Saturday morning because it's a cartoon, but don't let that fool you. This is an adult show with adult themes and everything like that. Um, So, you know, it it belongs in primetime, but that's not what was being done back then. You know, there weren't primetime cartoons. So yeah, it was the Saturday morning slot, which is probably why it got canceled. Because kids were probably like, "What's <laughs> what going f- on? <laughs> uh,
1: why are people? Why are things dying? I don't want them yeah. to die." Especially, especially this episode. This I'm sure this scarred many a kid.
0: <laughs> yeah, every time that, that that happened, I mean, let's I mean, we, let's not. I mean, I the, don't the, if, ep, I the episode is yesteryear, and and the whole premise is that uh, Spock needs to go back in time to help his seven-year-old self and in the process his pet salat which is basically a big dog dies there you go um uh, it
1: it, even for i don't know it's it's the way it's handled it fits with the character of spock which i appreciate it keeps with the character because like spock has this mentality which he tells his younger self it's like well you know, here are the options. You know, you either let it pass, you know, let it die, or you know, you let it suffer. <laughs> the kid goes, fair. <laughs> yep. uh, put it down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but in in the context of it being a quote unquote kid show, yeah, it's a lot to take in. To
0: yeah. Take in. Every time it happens I grab my cat and I'm like, "Oh. Oh, yeah. You know.
1: I'm 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 interested in in Diego's take and also if Diego has seen any other uh episodes from the show." No,
2: I have not yet. But uh I actually didn't like hate this. It's just like bizarre and it's very stilted, which is kind of like it reminds me like yeah. the Hanna-Barbera cartoons, you know. It's like it it's fun and there's a lot of great like aesthetic stuff going on in them, but there's maybe not too much... Um, you could tell they never had as much money as they would have liked to. And so I think that's a testament to other shows of this era that are still like... That still hold up, you know? And um, I actually like the story being told in this one quite a bit. Not really crazy about the execution. But I, I, I like that it's... One, that it is like a little mini-sequel to City on the Edge of Forever. And that it's Spock... Having to, kind of like, literally reconnect with his past self and become, uh, I guess, the, like, go on his journey to become a man, you know? I think there's maybe a more interesting angle in that had this been, like, a more interconnected series, and we'll definitely talk about this later, in that, that Spock has a story to tell where it's not just him becoming and growing up into a young man, or a young Vulcan man, but becoming more in tune with his emotions, which, well, it's obviously something very pivotal in the film we're going to talk about later today. Um, so I don't know, it, it made me think about stuff that I liked about the Spot character and Star Trek as a whole, more than I thought it was wholly successful, but the animal stuff does get me, because I'm a big yeah. animal lover too, so... <laughs>
1: And I, I'm guessing this is this this has to be true. This is all canon, right? This is all yeah, yep. canon yeah. in the Star Trek universe.
0: Yeah, it is, you know it's something which has been hotly debated. You know, is it canon? Is it not canon? Oh no, it's not canon. And waffling back and forth, but in the end, it's like yeah, it is canon. And there have been elements which have been taken from the animated series. Um, and used throughout the series, usually in like very very, t- you know, tiny references. Like, um, well, like the salat. Like, you there's an episode of Enterprise where they go to Vulcan and you see some of some live action salats. You know, the dog things. And um, you know, the, the there's one where they talk about the Orions and stuff like that. You know, there's there's a lot of like little references, even you know now in like Discovery and stuff they'll they'll throw in a, a reference here and there to the to the animated series. And of course, now with lower decks coming out, you know, they're leaning into a lot of animated series references like the one that that really gets me is there's this character, a crew member called uh Morress who is she's a, she's, a, she's a cat She's just a big cat, right? But she's like, ooh, you know, sex kitten purring, ooh, you know, mini skirt wearing cat, right? So now on lower decks, like the doctor is also a a caitian, c a t i a n, but it's like this like grungy, disheveled, like Alley Cat with like matted fur and stuff like that, you know, which is awesome. I I can't this is gonna be my favorite character, no doubt. But, you know, things like that, like little references are sprinkled throughout the uh, the franchise and in particular, I mean we'll get to it in, in a minute, but but just to give my general f- thoughts on this series. I love that it exists, right? I love the opening theme song. I love the fact that what they basically did was just take the original series and say, let's do it as a Saturday morning cartoon. And this is what came out, you know? And the animation is cheap, just like the original series was cheap. The music is, it has that majesty, but with like a 70s cartoon vibe to it. I love All of that stuff. I love the cheapness of the aesthetic and everything. It's just that with the exception of this episode, I hate every single one (laughs) because they're really poorly written in my mind. Um, even, th- even though they have top-tier talent working on them. And, I mean, the thing that everyone says, the, this is the general reaction from the fans to the series, which is like, the stories are great, the production value is terrible, the thing that they should do is ditch the the visuals, take the soundtrack, and do it as CGI, it would be amazing. And my response to that is always, no, 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 guys, you have it... Completely wrong. Like you, they should do the exact opposite. They should c-lab it, right? Where you you take <laughs> away the stories, you use these very simple animations and just alter them slightly and tell brand new stories, which are good using this footage. That's what you should be doing. But that would be amazing. I kind of,
1: that. what's happened is it's become memefied, and I've seen more memes oh, yeah. from this than maybe any other Star Trek product. Um, and yeah, uh, I-, I appreciate that. That I I know plenty about, you know, how the characters look like and what strange things are in this show without even having to s- having <laughs> seen the show. Um, and and also I'm glad you picked this because, well, Mike, according to you, it's the best one out of the entire series, right? Absolutely. And it just so happens to you know connect not only because we see Spock, uh, uh, you know, talking to himself in the past in this episode, and that continues on in you know Star Trek: 09, but you know, little moments like you know him being bullied as a kid you know that happens in in Star Trek 09 and even like Spock's mom I think I'm ge- I'm assuming when the writer's character in Star Trek 09 was like kind of modeled after you know the cartoon version of Spock's mom here right has, I mean yeah. it, they look we, very similar
0: we, Yeah we 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 see Spock's mom in other places too and everything but I I mean certainly I mean as far as like meaningful references to the animated series there is no more meaningful reference than uh Star Trek 09, the beginning of the movie um, and, and Spock's childhood, you know, which granted is not like a one-to-one thing. He's not wearing the little, uh, you know, onesie thing with the strap. (laughs) Whatever, you know, you don't, you don't have that stuff going on, but it, it like him being bullied for being half human and everything. I mean, that's like the whole basis for that opening sequence so, I don't know. I thought th- I thought that that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, we probably would not have had that, you
0: know, if it wasn't for the animated series, right? I mean, you got to yeah. think that that's what the, where they got it from, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah. 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 And, yeah I mean, I, I would just
2: like to see more animated Star Trek stuff because Star Trek, I, I think, is for everyone. And I think, like, I re watching the Avatar duology right now, The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. Um, I've seen each episode of both series at least five times and they're some of my favorite storytelling ever for anyone that hasn't watched them yet. You're, you're, you're missing out I, so much.
1: I guess and I'm missing out. You are. Um, uh, the I,
2: Last Airbender's yeah. on Netflix right now. Uh, please, when you have the chance, go check it out. It'll be there waiting for well, you and you'll be so happy.
1: Real quick, Diego, cause I've been hearing, uh, you know, People say one or the other or, you know, something about like not having to see certain episodes, maybe skipping the first episode or something
2: like that. Someone made a post. This isn't about Star Trek, but I got to I got to call someone out. I don't even know who who wrote it, but someone's like, skip to this episode in the middle of the second season. So you can see the show's potential realized and like, yeah, the first season's a little slow, but none of it's like bad. It's just it doesn't have momentum that the back chunk of that first season all the way to the finale has. Like the last okay. two and a half seasons of that show are the are the best animated thing ever. Like in my mind yeah. that there there's nothing better. Um but don't do that. <laughs>
1: don't skip to the <laughs> middle of a season. I was just curious. Was just no, curious. in the episode they like, referenced I, I, is so oddly like Ugh
2: it it no, no, don't do that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and and speaking of like franchises, um, uh, and their cartoon series, like I, I didn't hear the exact same thing when it came to Clone Wars, but I kind, of, but like that whole thing is kind of a mess chronologically too. Yeah, I got no Brr, advice for that know. one. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I tried I tried doing that. I might go back and finish, you know, Clone Wars, but I was trying to do chronologically from the starwars.com site like watch this episode from season 2 and then go to season 4, then season 3. Um, but yeah, but yeah. that show went on for like, a five long times longer time than have, Star, Star Trek, the animated series. Yeah, I, yes. I would love if Star Trek had
2: a Clone Wars or Avatar-type series in it, too. So maybe Lower Decks will be kind of that, because uh, I, I think the potential is still limitless for that, like, medium.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Lower Decks is going to be their Rick and Morty or their family guy or whatever, but there is another um, Star Trek animated series in the works right now called, well... They haven't officially titled it, but it's called Prodigy. And um, it's going to be on Nickelodeon, you know, mm. and it's by uh, the 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 Hagemans. Hagemans? The Hagemans? I don't know. Mm. They they work a lot with Guillermo del Toro. Um, they were like the showrunners on that show Troll Hunters.
2: Oh, okay. And uh-huh. I'm more positive okay. on that. Okay. Than- yeah,
0: and yeah, yeah. they also uh wrote the uh, scary stories to tell in the dark movie.
1: Oh, okay, that's ah. right. Yeah. Yeah. a little good, but, kids
0: know. horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so they're they're running it and they've got um well, they got a lot of people writing on it. Um uh, I'd say probably most notably in terms of like you know, people people who you would know would be uh the 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 Benson sisters who uh they're they're comic book writers, uh they wrote like Birds of Prey and stuff like that. Anyway. Um it's uh, I,
1: I did a quick look up of the the, the Hagman brothers, and yeah. they're also known for the Lego the sorry, the Lego Ninjago series. Yeah. Uh Masters of Spin Jitsu.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and they actually they have writing <laughs> credit on the Lego Ninjago movie as well. Yeah. Although it sounds like they were kinda rewritten substantially but you know whatever it's fine. So so yeah um I, it, it, that's exciting right and and the idea even though they haven't you know really said much about it it's like the idea is like there's some kids who are like troublemakers because they're like on their own and they come across a starship and like you know turn it on and start realizing their full potential something along those lines you know some sort of you know 80s monster squad goonies sort of thing you know
1: yeah so I it's just, like that uh it's like the kevin bacon movie cop car where they find a cop car <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's the like best that. summation yeah. of cop car i've ever heard <laughs> the movie with kevin bacon
2: they find the cop car then find the, the cop happens. car. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah, so there is animated stuff going on. Uh, there's rumors that there's another animated series in the works. So I mean, it's cool. I love the fact that that's the case. You know, I love the fact that that's that's happening.
1: There's certainly CBS is certainly going for it when mm-hmm. it comes to Star Trek series. Because I've already lost count how many are there currently in work on like pre-production in in the works. Well, they got close to, close Dis- to ten.
0: I'm Discovery guessing. and Picard are, you know, for real. Whatever, lower decks will be out this year. And they got Strange New Worlds, which is a Discovery right. spinoff. They've got Section Thirty-One, which is a Discovery spinoff. Um, and then there's various other ones which are in various stages of development, like. Um, the creators of uh, The O.C. and Gossip Girl are working on a Starfleet Academy series. Um, the, well, I'm sorry to laugh. That seems like a pitch from like 2004. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Someone was like, yeah, you got it. I'm like, that's that's going to be it. That's that's the one. Uh, yeah, like, Nicholas Meyer. I don't
2: know if you guys are joking around. I actually think that sounds pretty
0: fun. <laughs> like, oh, uh, no, I can't wait. I like a little I, hearty I love, melodrama I, with my ongoing franchises, you know? I, I love all of those shows, you know? and <laughs> I, 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 I,
1: I, think, I think you saying that, Mike, triggered some, something in my mind. I think that's what I thought of when I heard this new Star Trek. Sorry, Star Trek 09 was coming out. It's like yeah. young, uh, uh, you know, Kirk and Spock and the Starfleet Academy. I'm like, are they just gonna do it like OC style? Is that what's yep. going on?
0: Anyway, that's what that's what a lot of people thought. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that was
2: my favorite criticism: Star Trek babies. What is
1: this? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which to me, I'm like, you say that, and I I think of Muppet Babies, and you want to talk about like cartoons? That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine that? Oh my god! <laughs> or
2: here's my pitch before before we move on. An episode with the new gen cast. They travel through some wormhole. They come out the other side as infants. Except for like Spock or someone. Right? Or, 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 or Neelix. And then they have to save the Enterprise and the crew and get them back into their adult bodies. That's my pitch. J.J. Abrams, if you're still attached in the producer capacity, <laughs> come back. Listen well, to ha- me.
0: Have you, have you seen... The Next Generation episode, Rascals? I don't
2: think I have. Is that? Did I just get that? Did my brain forget I that mean, happened and I just like, like, regurgitated a, it?
0: <laughs> the, well, I mean, the, the premise is there's a transporter accident and, uh, like, Picard and Ensign Rowe and Guinan, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg's character, are this. all turned into like 10 year olds, right?
2: Oh, okay. Okay. And then
0: then Ferengi take over the ship and they need to save it because they don't realize that they're the, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's all this stuff with like 10 year old Picard being like, okay, number one. And Riker's like, I can't do this. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Uh, check it out. It's from season six. I think of next generation. It's called rascals. It's fantastic. Anyway. Um, Yeah, so Star Trek 09, then. Here we go. Yeah. Um, so, uh, basically, you know, we talked about how Nemesis basically killed the franchise. <laughs> I mean, the franchise was already dead. It was just people were sick of it, you know. And Enterprise was canceled after four seasons. That was a big deal. Um, I mean, it only lasted four seasons because they were like, if we do another season, we can sell some more DVDs. I mean, that's literally why they kept it on the air. So, it was dead. And everyone was pretty much in agreement, like, this thing just needs to sit for a little while before we started up again because nobody cares we need people to care again and there was only one project which i know of which was um developed in between this and 09 which was a movie which was going to be about the romulan war um it was written by eric jenderson who was um i think the showrunner for band of brothers and it was planned to be like a trilogy and you hear like, Oh, the Romulan war, which is like this thing that happens like before the original series. Right. And it sounds like, well, that's great. Oh, a, a, a star Trek war movie trilogy from the creator of band of brothers. Okay. You know, but then like, you know, the script is kind of leaked and it's like, Oh, it was about like, Kirk's grandfather Tiberius who finds a ship called the Enterprise and and it's like come on guys you know you don't need to do all that we can just have this anyway didn't get made and um Mission Impossible 3 came out or even before it came out JJ Abrams you know along with Kurtzman and Orsi they they you know did this thing which everybody loved and they were the hot the hot young hot guys right i mean abrams had lost on and everything right mm-hmm. alias and everything alias yeah and they were like you want to try S- star trek and they're like yeah so then they did. But, but Abrams' whole thing is like, I don't want to do some sort of weird next-gen, making up my own, whatever. The whole thing about Star Trek is it's Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. I want to do Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. So they decided to do this reboot in a clever way. And Star Trek 09 is the result. So, Marcelo.
1: <laughs> I'm here, yes. What
0: do you think about Star Trek 09?
1: I, I do like this movie a lot uh and i'll say watching it again for this my enjoyment of it rose uh, maybe it's because we're doing this podcast or maybe it's because the movie has aged so well but i'm like yes this is like a capital f film <laughs> it's like i it, well let me go back to the first time i saw it like that and it's important because like that is when I first got into Star Trek. That's when I first saw uh, Wrath of Khan. Is li- leading up to Star Trek 09, I'm like, well, I have never seen really any Star Trek ever, so why not get into it? And I rented the discs from Netflix back when you could do that. Uh, I-, I watched the original series, I think the least the first two seasons, I watched the original movies. Um, you know, Wrath of Khan, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Uh, then I saw the the movie in theater, Star Trek 09, on a Limax screen, which I was so upset by because <laughs> I th- th- I was in I was in a new town, I was in uh, Augusta, Georgia, and there's one theater that was playing in, in IMAX. It said, um, and I not, I had not been to that theater yet, but from the outside of that theater. You know, I had the IMAX logo and everything. I go, that theater looks too small to be IMAX. But hey, maybe it is pretty big inside. We'll see. It was not. It was a terrible theater. <laughs> but the movie was great. It was a great uh, uh, experience. Then now, cut to now, eleven years later. Yeah, it still it, it still holds up. It still has a lot of what you know I love in in Star Trek movies and series. Uh, but it's the characters I love, um, and I think J.J. Abrams and and company, I think do a great job of of playing with those characters and you know giving them new life. So yeah, I I do really like this movie a lot. So yeah, that that's that's how I feel about Star
0: Trek 09. All right, what about you, Diego?
2: Quite simply and quite frankly, it just kicks ass. Like this is like one of the most reliable pieces of entertainment you will ever revisit. At least for me. Like I could put it on regardless of my mood and it will kind of like make me excited and get me back into it again. There is like very little, if any, fat on this film. Like it's very much point A to point B to point C to point go 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 go. And that's kind of like the JG Abrams staple, right? Like his high octane energy uh blockbuster spectacle stuff, and there's a lot of really profound emotion in it uh it, it's not like the smartest movie ever made. I don't think <laughs> it's a dumb movie I, don't, I, don't, I i I've heard some criticism about it being maybe not the smartest, but it's, it's 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 not it's not dumb either um and I remember to date myself I was in high school when this came out, and I remember. A friend who just doesn't really, uh, not a Star Trek guy. He, I saw him the week after this movie came out and he was like, that was badass. <laughs> and I was like, yes, more people like Star Trek now. And that, that was what made me really excited about it was that more people were getting into Star Trek and I was like, this could like ring in a new era, you know, for like, because Star Wars isn't around anymore. That'll, that was never coming back. This is 2009, so just bear with me. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, Star Wars is over now, so now it's time for Star Trek to reign supreme. And uh, it t- t- took a little while for the sequel to come. But for this movie, it, it just was so much fun to watch in the theater. And I didn't even intend on rewatching it before we talked about this again, because um, I've seen it so many times. Like, I, I know all the beats in my head and stuff like that. But I did watch it with the commentary which is very entertaining with people like Damon Lindelof. And I think one of the writers, I forget, uh, there's a producer on there too. but um, And and of course, J.J. Abrams, the director. And it was really funny and, it, and insightful into the production of the film. But it's also um, kind of Abram shooting himself in the foot for like his peak, uh, the, the peak critique that people have for him that, Maybe he kind of just does some stuff because he like wants to give the audience what they want, and I would argue that it's exactly why this movie works, because um, it doesn't get in the way of itself. This will become a problem for his future career, but for right now, it it is not. And it, this is a really kick ass movie, and I love it to bits.
0: Yeah, for me, um, going into it, I, I was I was you know predetermined to to like it because mainly of Abrams I mean for one thing it's a Star Trek movie but also Abrams you know I was a huge fan of Alias uh, and Mission Impossible which had come out just three years prior I I thought was the best movie of the year and uh, by the way I just I just went I just watched all of the Mission Impossible movies in the theater watched the third one third and that movie is amazing it is still still um, I mean, all all six of those movies are amazing to one degree or another. But I mean, Mission Impossible three really holds up, and the idea that the team that made Mission Impossible three was going to be making Star Trek oh nine that just made me so happy. And uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, I I certainly had my my nerd hat on going into it. You know, I mean, prior to finding out that this was going to be an alternate timeline and everything, I wrote this big blog post where I was like, how come uh, th- these people are meeting up when they're this age and um, there's no, you know, uh, G- Gary Marshall and all this stuff, or whatever, not Gary Marshall, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Where no man has gone before, dude, um, whatever. Uh, oh, it's going to bother me. Hang on, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> Um the guy from you know, Gary Lockwood played Thank Gary. You. Gary Lockwood that was, that was yeah but what was the character's name Gary Mitchell there we go Yes it was another Gary um, yeah where is he where is he this is this movie's bullshit this movie's full of lies you know but then you know i mean obviously they say alternate timeline and it's like oh, okay well that makes sense but um because of that and this is true of every Star Trek movie I've watched really from 09 on up any Star Trek anything that I've watched from 09 on up the first viewing for me is always like very it's it's almost like the reverse of what you do for every other movie the first one is you you know like with most movies like you go in for it and it's a ride and you're like that was fun i want let me revisit that and then when you revisit it you're like well when you start looking at this logically it doesn't really uh hold up for for me with star trek movies it's the reverse right i'm like watching it so intently from that perspective where i'm thinking like Please don't fuck this up. Please don't fuck this up. Okay, you cleared that hurdle. Okay, that's good. That's good. Okay, we made it through, and we're okay. And then the next time I'm watching it, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, I can just enjoy the spectacle, right? That's it's just how it, how it works for me with Star Trek. And that's certainly how it was the first time I saw this. I mean, like, I, I liked it. But at the same time, I was like, "That was good." I'm not sure it was good as Mission Impossible three, but it was good, you know. And and it wasn't until the second and third and fourth times, which all occurred like within the span of like three days, oh that I was like, <laughs> that, that I was like, you know, um, yeah, this is my favorite Star Trek movie. I I do think this is the best Star Trek movie, and. Um, The reason why is really because, you know, people talk about one of the main criticisms that you hear from Star Trek fans. And generally speaking, I mean, this one Star Trek fans tend to uh, tend to appreciate. But there's also certainly uh, this kind of like backhanded compliment thing which is going on with it where they're like, "Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's a solid movie. The, the 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 ultimate criticism which you always hear is it's a good movie, but it's not a good Star Trek movie. You know, to which my response is Citizen Kane is a good movie, but it's not a good Star Trek movie. Um, but the thing about it is, it's like a, a lot of people say, like this does not have that social commentary that Star Trek is known for. That's that's that all Star Trek has. Which, you know, okay, go back and look at Star Trek Season 3 original series and, you know, shut the fuck up. Because seriously, (laughs) I mean, these things are not, it's not like they're churning these things out, you know, with like this hard-hitting commentary on a weekly basis. It's just what you remember. But regardless, I think that the message of this movie is really, it's about realizing your potential right? Realizing your full potential. And, you know, I mean, that certainly struck a chord with me uh, when I saw it, you know, at at a particular time in life, you know, and and thinking about what I am doing and what I should be doing and all that stuff. And I think that that's very valuable. But I think just like Mission Impossible 3 works on this very interesting meta level, um, Star Trek 09 does too, where It's about the franchise realizing its full potential. Star Trek has always had amazing writing, and you look back at the original series, and they were doing some crazy stuff that wasn't being done anywhere else on on TV back then. But in the 80s, it just became... Static. It just became over, over two shot, boring aesthetics. The movies were always like trying to be big blockbusters, but they didn't have the budget and maybe they didn't have the, the talent behind the scenes in, in some degrees uh, so to some degree. You know, I mean, it was uh, you, you try showing even the best of the original series movies to like uh, just a movie goer and they're going to be like it's kind of boring, you know? Whereas you show this one to an average moviegoer and they're like, this is a movie, this is a summer blockbuster, you know, and and it's that thing that Star Trek never really was able to get to, that J.J. Abrams, he was able to get it there, you know? the, The franchise grew up, it finally got with the times and on an aesthetic level became a leader instead of a follower and made Star Trek no longer this niche thing. It brought it into the mainstream. And and I I think that that's awesome. And now you look at stuff like Picard and uh, Discovery and from uh, an aesthetic level, it stands right up there with with you know things like Game of Thrones or whatever. So that to me I think is why I find this to be most exciting. I love Star Trek, but the one thing that I love more than Star Trek is movies and this was the summer blockbuster I always wanted from Star Trek. So Sorry, that was long-winded.
2: But- no, 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 no. I, I, I really agree with most of that, and even the disagreement <laughs> is like, no, no. Like even the disagreements, I'm like, I just don't think it's the best one. Like it's, it's softball mm-hmm. disagreement, right? But it's up there, mm-hmm. and I, I think it really brought like the wonder back to. Um, to big budget movies like this. Not that they're – I don't want to sound like one of those guys is like, what happened to movies? But like, I'm not trying to be that. I'm just saying that like in 2009 specifically, do you guys remember that year in movies? Because it was not very good, (laughs) Um, at least for the big movies, at least for the big movies.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the week before this – I always remember this because the week before this was X-Men Origins Wolverine. Mm -hmm. Oh, god damn it. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Remember that because I saw an ad- I saw an advance screening of this movie, and then I went to work right afterwards to run the midnight show of X. <laughs> wow! And I'm like, well, guys, you should totally come back next week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for for me, it was an interesting year because, like I said, like I was I was away from Texas. I was in another state. Uh, by myself, um, and I was experiencing things in a weird way in Georgia, (laughs) and I distinctly remember seeing, like, Paranormal Activity, like, District 9, I think Up, like, all, like, that summer. Um, But yeah, but those were, like, I mean, yeah, this is... It's far and few between that year. (laughs) Exactly, but Star Trek 09 was the blockbuster for me. I can't think of anything other than this that really, like, hit it this big for me that's why i was upset i saw it like a small screen um yeah it and and to your point mike and you know i also disagree with you because i think wrath of khan does the the blockbuster aesthetic the big movie um maybe not as good as this but it, it it did it and it was successful at it and yeah and then i agree yeah God, there's there's a lot in there from from Wrath of Khan to this where it's like, yeah, it never really reaches that potential of what the series can be like uh on the big screen, like a full you know, huge entertaining blockbuster. And and then and then I'm I'm happy we've gone on this journey where we're we we've we've been watching, you know, the new series, uh, you know, Picard. Um and I see, yeah, this this for sure is like it 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 uh, it began a new era of Star Trek, where aesthetically you see the influence this has to, you know, everything else afterwards, everything everything Star Trek afterwards. So it's interesting revisiting this now and seeing just how this ushered in that new era. And imagine if this was not successful, if this was not what it you know ended up being, where where would Star Trek be now? It probably wouldn't be you know the same at all.
0: Yeah. And I mean, there's some people who would be like, oh, yeah, it wouldn't be the same. It would be a lot better. You know, I mean, there's 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 there's, there's,
1: it seems like they're doing pretty well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's true of any fandom where you're going to get those people who are just like it's terrible because it's new, you know, <laughs> I mean, new. <laughs> that, that's basically what it comes down to. You know, I mean, it's the same thing you see with the Snyder cut and with the last Jedi stuff and all that stuff. It's the same thing you see across the board. You know, people like, you know, Star Trek discovery, you know, like each, you know, people talk about TOS, TNG, DS9, With Star Trek discovery, you know, the, the common refrain from people who hate it are, to call it STD you know I mean just like shit like that which is just like all you know Gene Roddenberry you know his vision of the future he's rolling over in his grave it's like no come on guys you know th- 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 this whatever it doesn't matter um but there are a lot of people who dislike this movie quite a bit and this I think more than any other movie really kind of speaks to that gap between Star Trek fans and movie fans. Whereas, you know, this is one of the highest rated of all the movies on like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. This is the one that it got nominated for a Producers Guild Award, right? I'm pretty sure. And you know, then you talk to Star Trek fans. I mean, I I just did a whole thing for the 10th anniversary last year. We, uh, I did sort of like a oral history sort of thing of, uh, you know, talking to like fans who um who were there whatever their experiences with it their thoughts on it and everything and it was really interesting because it was all over the place from people who really loved it to people who really um didn't like it at all but the 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 kind of like i don't know mean reaction was like it's fun It's cool. It's cool to see what a hundred million dollar Star Trek movie looks like, but I feel like they're just pretending. (laughs) It doesn't feel like the real thing. You know, it's not the prime timeline and all this other stuff.
1: Yeah, and my question would be, and I don't know if you asked them this, Mike. I w- th- This is what this question I would have asked. What would they have? What What would they have done? <laughs> like what? Like, in two thousand nine, what What direction would they have gone? Because this to me seems like the the direction to go in two thousand nine. You know, you've gone through the next generation. You know, movies, the TV shows are they They've dried up. Right, Enterprise has been canceled. Where do you go now? Like, do you just, do, do you bring back the next generation crew? Do you bring back the the old guys? Do you bring back original series guys? You, yeah, this 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 had to happen, and I'm glad it was JJ that got it to where it
0: was because yeah, what do they want, Mike? What do they want? <laughs> well, first off, let me just say that your cats are being very cute in the back.
1: Right <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're they uh, cleaning each other in the back. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's very sweet. Anyway, yeah. um. <laughs> No, I mean, I I didn't ask them that, but but I mean, I know what their answer is, you know, because I've seen it enough. The answer is they want something which takes place after the next generation. They want something which progresses things further, so that we can see how this this uh, you know universe evolves into whatever it is. And m- I guess my response to that is like. Why? Like, wh- <laughs> wh- what is what is the point? Like, oh, they have even more advanced technology now. Like, what are you gonna do? You know, I-, I totally understand the impulse that JJ had, which is the same impulse that most people taking on like pre-existing properties have, which is I like this property. Mainly because of the characters. I want to do something with those characters. You don't get anyone who's like, you know, oh, I really love Batman. Let me make Batman Beyond, right? And whoa, no no whoa, offense whoa. to Batman whoa, Beyond. Whoa, no whoa, offense whoa, to whoa, Batman whoa. Beyond, okay? I'm just saying, you don't get that. And no one expects that. So no one expects anyone to be like, I want to talk, I want to make a movie about like Sherlock Holmes's, you know, Kids, you know, even though I guess they're doing that on Netflix. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not, I mean, <laughs> these examples I see what you're saying, but these
2: examples are kind of not working out for you right now. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe not.
1: But, and, but then, the point and, is- and, and, and they are bringing back Michael Keaton for The Flash playing Batman. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, and that's that's pretty awesome. I mean, I'm totally into that. But you know, but but they're not bringing back William Shatner here. You know, like that's yeah. that's he 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 wants to do. He wants to tell the story with those characters in their prime for a new medium. That's fine. The only reason why it's weird, the only reason why anyone cares is because Star Trek has been able to maintain this continuity for, you know, at this point, almost 50 years. And for them to just stop it is feels like, you know, a cop-out or a betrayal or whatever. And I think they knew that and they came up with the absolute best solution they possibly could which is create an alternate timeline all that stuff still happened you know it's a weird sci-fi concept you st- you still have Leonard Nimoy there you still have these elements from the prime timeline but it also allows you to tell stories in new ways that you weren't able to do before with the same characters uh, what do you guys think about the the solution that they had to this problem
2: well really quick um I did not know about that going into it. I just saw glimpses of the trailers. I never saw a full trailer for it. I just saw posters like, oh, new Star Trek movie? Like, what's it about? And then I saw, like, glimpses of TV spots and stuff like that, none of which had any talk of an alternate timeline or anything. So I was going in, and then they're like, oh, is this after next gen? No? I, I it was, My my mind was – I was genuinely surprised. That is one of the great theater surprises, like, of my life. Maybe the one, just because I had no preconceived notion of any direction that they were going for
0: the reboot. So you didn't even know that, like, Kirk and Spock were in it?
2: I, I knew, but, like, I didn't understand. I thought they were just going to, like, oh, we're doing it again. Yeah. So I – It was a delight to watch that unravel because uh, I I just couldn't wrap my mind around it until it started happening
0: in the middle of the movie. Yeah. So what did you think about that, Marcelo?
1: I mean, I'm having a hard time thinking of a better example of how to, you know, quote-unquote reboot, sequelize a franchise than this. And the device itself, like, like, uh, going to... Uh, uh, I think it was your point Mike like like people's complaints about it not having like a social message or maybe not being Star Trek maybe it, it's pretending to be Star Trek that core concept of them creating alternate Timeline, that is Star Trek to me <laughs> that is nerdy shit that I love and within the context of this film within the context of the franchise it's it's maybe the smartest move the franchise has done because How, I mean, he, J.J. Abrams and and the writers, and this will be the last time I I ever throw praise at Orsi and Kurtzman. Um, (laughs) Like, that idea of, like, creating an alternate timeline and, and, you know, kind of, you know, rebooting these characters, seeing them younger... Any other like writer directors like they'd be like let we're just gonna like just do a straight up reboot let's just go and let's just you know you know uh, just, you know not destroy the canon but you know re rejigger the canon and just this do our own thing this is like still canon right this is like it's in there and like and like future series like still uh, uh, reference this stuff like, Picard references this stuff so to me it's like yes like. <sighs> It's hard to do it in any other in franchise because you don't have like the Star Trek time travel stuff. But yeah, I can't, I can't honestly can't think of anything that that's done this as well as this, where they just do a reboot slash sequel so well that it still works within the core concept concepts of the franchise. So I think it's great. I think they they pulled it off.
2: Yeah, in, in terms of continuity at least, because I, I would argue that there are some better movies that have like served as franchise reboots, like. I could probably think of like five off the top of my head, but I, I don't want to take anything away from you this movie because Daniel, I really do love it. Name those five <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Batman Begins, Force Awakens. Oh, no. I can't think of any now. That's it. <laughs> oh, no. I is win. that it? No, no. Wait, 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 wait. I
0: don't know about
2: Force uh, Awakens. Though, Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, Force Awakens, I think is Abrams' best movie. That's why.
1: I,
0: I thought that this the first this is time I is saw right, it.
2: This is right underneath it, though.
1: See, I yeah, I'm glad we can also talk about J.J. Abrams because I have conflicted feelings about the man oh, and his okay. work. Oh. So do I. <laughs> so do I'll, I'll, I. <laughs> I'll say this: seeing this again, we have to talk about the lens flares because, for God's sakes, like
2: Oh, they're fine. Everyone blows them out no, of proportion. No, I'm giving
1: <laughs> I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here. I like the guy overall. Sure, I may hate some of his movies. I don't like Super Eight at all. Whoa. Uh, We'll get into the the other one I don't like next episode, um, but stylistically, I don't know it. It just throws too many lens flares in there. I, I have to say that in this movie, it's just it's it's maybe too much.
0: Um, but I, I'm gonna <sighs> uh, let me just say this. Um, I, I'm completely honest when I say this. Okay, I'm not. <laughs> Whatever. This being total honesty here, I, I I love lens flares. To me, I mean, like watching things. Like I mean, more than any other movie it's diehard where you know seeing the lens flares in Die diehard seeing those anamorphic lens flares that to me sort of defined what that high gloss blockbuster aesthetic was right so i'm all about the lens flares punch drunk love we were just talking about off mic i mean you know that they're used perfectly there there's so many movies they use them perfectly and I am never, ever, ever distracted by a lens flare. If anything, I just think, oh, that's cool. And after I had seen this movie four times in the span of a week, um, someone was like, Jesus, the lens flares in that thing are insane. And I swear to God, was like, what are you talking about, you know? Like, I didn't notice them. I didn't notice them. And, you know, I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's become like a running thing on our commentaries for, like, uh, Picard and stuff like that. Anytime there's a lens flare, I'm like, oh, my God, my eyes, my eyes are melting. Ah, lens flare. Because people just hate them. And I don't get it. I'm sorry. It's It's awesome.
1: It's not that I hate them. I also love them when used well. (laughs) I'm trying to be very delicate here because... It's okay. The example of, of Die Hard, perfect. Okay. Even like when Fincher throws them in, when he doesn't have to, when he has to add them in digitally, that's great. But to me, in this movie, it's like, okay, let's say normal usage, correct usage, correct quote unquote correct usage is like, you use them, you know, one out of five times. To me, Abrams uses them 10 out of five times. <laughs> it, it's just maybe too much too often to me anyway where it it is distracting to me and I am again I didn't want to be that guy on the internet that complains about J.J. Abrams lens flares but here I I am I'm that that fucking guy (laughs) it was distracting to me I'm not going to say it takes away a lot from the movie but I say (laughs) I, I, I noticed them and I'm like yeah that is a lot and I forgot I honestly thought it was Into Darkness that did it to an extreme but here, it was hard not to, you know, notice. And sometimes I'm like, "Where is that like coming from? It doesn't <laughs> make any sense." <laughs> no, no, I mean they're, they're all they're all coming from a place. You see them on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know, Diego. <laughs> sometimes they're like in a cave and it happens. I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> then, a torch. but then, you know, okay. <laughs> but then going to like something like Force Awakens. I, I, I for my remember Force Awakens. I think he. Maybe he kind of like heard the criticism. I don't know, but I, uh, from what I remember, that those movies that he did that didn't really bother me. Maybe it's because he was working in a new, in another franchise where maybe, maybe to him, Abrams, Star Trek means lens flyers. <laughs> it's like that's where he just goes for it. So I don't know. I mean,
0: but, he probably, he probably said this on that commentary you, you listened to, but, uh, the he says that the reason why he he wanted all the lens flares was because he wanted um, to present a future which was just bursting with stuff like things. I mean, it was just so shiny. He does say you know that, which yeah. to me to me I think is appropriate because it really is kind of like that idealistic future that that Star Trek is going for. You know. So I, I like that. Um but I would like him no matter what. I mean I, I I think the and I mean shout out to, you know, Dan Mindel the cinematographer. My boy. Who, yeah, he is the best. Um I mean he shot so many things. Um but uh most notably to me Domino. Yes. Uh, to yes, Scott. my favorite Tony Scott movie. It is the best Imagine. Tony Scott movie. Yes. 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 Um and, yeah, the idea that, like, he also shot a Star Trek movie or two Star Trek movies and two Star Wars movies makes me so happy.
2: Yeah. That oh, great, buy. great director of photography. Yeah. Uh, I – for me, just on the Lunsler thing, I guess then, any, like, cinematic technique I, – I actually – I see where Marcel is coming from. Some people are just going to vibrate, like, at a different frequency. You know, some people are just yeah. – something's going to be too much. Something's going to be too little. For me personally, considering like the visual soup that is a lot of blockbusters right now, um I'd rather like my eyes be like assaulted than <laughs> like <laughs> than just be like yeah. this is boring,
0: you know. Um Right. I mean for, I mean I know that know. it's a, it's a punching bag, but like are there any Marvel movies which have any sort of unique aesthetic, aside from the ones that were directed by James Gunn? I was about to say, and, like, well, the Guardians! <laughs> <laughs> and there's Ragnarok. But aside Ragnarok. from that, it's like...
2: I have a, I have yeah, a conspiracy theory about Black Panther, because the first trailer of that looks radically different than the finished product. But that's another podcast mm. to, to <laughs> dive I, I, I,
0: I I would like to hear that theory, because, I mean, that's certainly something which does happen. I, I mean think uh, the
2: producers decided it looked too colorful. Watch the first could, trailer of that movie and then watch the finished product. It's like it was shot by two different people.
0: And that that's that's an interesting thing. I mean World War Z, you know, um which Robert Richardson shot and took his name off of because he had like he he set it up so that like when when they shot it they were supposed to like process it at like, you know, Certain value, like the lookup tables. I don't quite understand this, but you, like, you know, set the digital settings to to a certain thing to give it a certain look. And they agreed upon that. And then the studio was like, hmm, looks a little too weird. Let's make it more normal. And he's like, well, fuck you guys, then I'm out of here. And he left, and uh, that's why the guy who did the reshoots is credited as the cinematographer on that movie. But, I mean, that's the thing that can certainly be done now easily with digital um, cameras. So, that's interesting. It's it's probably accurate for Black Panther. By
1: by the way, the guy who did the reshoots on... World War Z Ben Saracen
0: oh yeah who cool. shoots all the freaking Marvel movies right uh, but no um,
1: he, he did like he, two I think right two or three he's done zero Marvel movies he's what done do? Transformers Revenge of the Fallen oh. that's it Unstoppable yeah. Pain and gain. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no. no. Um, I, I mummy.
2: I, I know who Mike's thinking of. It's a different dude. He shot the first Guardians, Doctor Strange, yeah. Age yeah, of Ultron, yeah, Captain okay.
1: Marvel. Yeah, it's, it's a good DP. It's just there's a certain look well, they like with those. Hey. Let me backtrack. Let me backpedal a bit and say I do love the look, the look of this movie. And I, to Diego's point, yes. It, I mean, it, I mean, for for God's sakes, it does remind me sometimes of like Michael Bay's, you know, kinetic, you know, direction, and I appreciate that in this, you know, new Star Trek, and but no, I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm watching it again here in the background. <laughs> um, it's that action scene like where they're on, they're on the 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 drill thing. Oh, um, so good! It's you know the camera just pans and moves like so crazily, and it's so kinetic. It shot extremely well, but again, just to emphasize my point, yeah, maybe the lens flares, maybe cut them back by fifty percent, fifty percent, you know, you know, just just roll it back a bit, and then I'd be totally fine. I probably wouldn't even notice. <laughs> anyway, that's it. It, 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 We were talking about JJ Abrams, so lens flares had to come up.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I think that a lot of the criticism about him is like accurate in terms of just like he's a dude who's like well you got to give the audience like what they want they got to have fun in the theater they got to be entertained and you know i i appreciate that I, I do not have negative feelings about that i just think sometimes we'll dial back the lenchler's a little bit we're going to dial back the fun <laughs> factor a little bit too um but here it, it it all just falls into place so perfectly for me that i i could not fathom like other decisions like scientific Inaccuracies, who cares? It's not real. I, I'm I, I don't care. It's a movie. I, I I don't honestly think there's anything else to talk about in that regard. Just like it's it's not real. Not everything needs to be like an exact science, you know. So like when when Spock Prime sees the planet Vulcan evaporate in a black hole, like sure that's not realistic, but also
0: who cares? Well, also, it's supposed to be a dramatic representation of what happened. It's a dream sequence. So, it's fine. That's his interpretation of what happened. Because when he saw the little dot in space, to him, it was that big. So... I'm just – I'm backing you up there.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, and I guess that, that dream sequence in the commentary they were talking about was actually like really hard because at first they said it was like too weird and it took like a lot of work to like dial that back because people yeah. were like, what just happened? And like they're like just screenings and then they're like, why don't we make it even weirder then? And <laughs> so I I guess making it even weirder allowed people to understand that, oh, this is not – This is a a perspective on the reality. It's not an accurate representation of any, like, memory. And so, yeah, it's it's a great point, Mike. That's exactly what they're going for. (laughs) So, yeah. um, But, no, this movie kicks ass. And uh, Zoe Saldana is really great in it also. Because, I mean, everyone talks about Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto. They're the best. They're so good in, like, everything they do. Uh, but I, I want to shout out Zoe Saldana, because I feel like she doesn't get a lot of love for uh, being, like, casually great
1: all the time. <laughs> she you is, know? like... Wasn't she in, like, the first parts of the Caribbean movie? Yeah, I just rewatched watched that. Holds up. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, re- I, I re-watched those, um, like, a few months ago, back when this whole fucking thing started. Quarantine. Because <laughs> I was like, I want to do something on a Sunday that was fun. I watched <laughs> the first three parts of the Caribbeans, And, yeah, I am... Uh, just shocked that she didn't just show up in the, the other two um, because, yeah, uh, she's amazing. I've always loved her. She's in the, the, some of the biggest movies of all time. Which mm-hmm. is, we should appreciate her more. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen her and been like, I wasn't that good? Like, no. Never, no. She's always great. <laughs> she makes it look easy. Uh,
0: crossroads.
1: Am I right? Wait, I have not seen it. Oh, <laughs> crossroads. Oh, you guys see Crossroads, do I? Oh
0: man! Oh yeah, Britney Spears. It's amazing. Um, yeah, watch Crossroads. She's also in the Terminal. And yes, I remember she, that. Yeah, and 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 it turns out that she's a Trekkie who. Um, yes, that yeah. plays as Yeoman Rand.
1: That was the fun thing tracking the casting of of this. You know, as you know, it was in production. And everything like I remember that distinctly. People pointing that out, like, oh, you know. Uh, uh, Zoe Saldana's gonna be in the new Star Trek, and she played this character in the terminal, who's a Trekkie. Like that yeah. was cool. Uh, my my pick uh, for my favorite of the cast is Carl Urban. Oh yeah, playing Bones. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing he's doing the he's doing the inflection the accent like maybe to a degree that's maybe again this is <laughs> not comparable to the lens flares but like his <laughs> his his like. To me, it's like an over, act. It's it it's it's not overacting, but it's like it's a lot. He puts a lot in the performance, and it works for some reason. I'm like, yes, he's not underplaying it. He's just like, I'm bones. I'm doing the accent. I'm like, gritting my teeth. <laughs> oh, like from the first frame, from the first time he steps in, and he meets Kirk. Uh, it's it's great and like, every time he shows up every time pop, he pops up I love it because I think Bones secretly is my favorite character throughout the entire series so I don't think I've ever said that before but I've always had appreciation for Bones and just him yeah. being just so up front and just being like kind of the voice of like kind of the middleman between Kirk and Spock mm-hmm. and yeah so I'm, I'm happy that that relationship between uh, Kirk and Bones is like so well crafted here from the beginning you know to the end so yeah, my MVP of this whole thing is Carl Urban. That's who I have to pick.
0: Yeah, if you ask most Trekkies like who who do they think is cast, you know, most perfectly in this movie, it's Carl Urban. The people just love him. And I mean also just speaking about him as a, as a person or whatever, he he's like the one guy who actually was like a Star Trek fan going into this thing. Um so he had that sort of like, you know, appreciation for it, but he also comes from the world of syndicated fantasy television, having worked on, like, Xena or something like that. And because of that, like, he understands more than anyone else in this cast, like, that fan connection kind of thing, you know? Whereas, yeah. like, if you go to, like, a Star Trek convention, you'll get, like, all of the all of the TV actors showing up, right? But the movie actors, they're like, mm no you know which is totally understandable but carl urban is the one guy who's like i'll go to all of them you know simon Pegg shows up every once in a while too because he's simon Pegg, you know but um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah carl urban he's like he is sort of like the most conscious of star trek fandom and and really you know sort of like appreciates it more than anyone else in this cast so that's for whatever that's worth mm. I don't know. Um, I mean, Mike. Do you have a pick as like your favorite of the cast? Um, I think they're all pretty good. Um, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think like if you were to say like we're trying to get this as close as we can, you know, I, I would say Carl Urban does the best job. But I mean, I guess as far as like my favorite portrayal of a character in a movie, um, it is probably. Uh, probably Simon Pegg and in terms of like most improved character (laughs) I would say it's unquestionably Uhura um, because she basically has absolutely nothing to do for the entire franchise up until this movie. And here, I think they did more with her than they had ever before. I mean, to the point that people are complaining, like, it's not Kirk, Spock, and Bones anymore. It's Kirk, Kirk Spock, and Uhura. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, let's do that then. Exactly. I, I mean, <laughs> whatever. I, I'm game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 do, I do think that... Um, this is the best Uhura we've ever seen. You know, not just because of Zoe Saldana, but because the writing is so much better. Yeah.
1: I mean, would you put it higher than her fan dance in Undiscovered (laughs) Country?
0: (laughs) I mean, as far as, like, singular Uhura moments, I mean, you know, Zoe Saldana never ended up on Star Trek, you know, soundtrack albums, so I guess... That means something, (laughs) (laughs) now.
1: Worst of horror. (laughs) Uh,
2: Also, shout out to Anton Yelkin, who, of course, is no longer with us. Um, Also, just casually great in everything he did, and really, really lovable in this. Um, I always think fondly of his, 17, sir! (laughs) You know, like, and and then Bones is just, like, pissed off. Like, oh, great, he's 17. Like, someone's responsible for him being 17, you know? (laughs) Like, it's so... It's really funny. No one talks about how funny this movie is, too. Like, yeah. not not like a... It rides a line of, like, really goofy, you know? Like, Kirk gets, like, inflatable hands at once. Yeah. Point. They look like inflatable hands. But it's, like, charming and also hilarious. And I don't know. It's, it's stuff you'd see out of a sitcom, but it just works for some reason. Something about the high energy just gets you, like, so into it at this point. And I forgot. Like I always forget how fast this movie moves. Like... Yeah like wow <laughs> I, I wish it was longer just because I wanted to see what else they could kind of stuff in there but I also wouldn't change like a frame of it yeah
1: I, I, I do love the entire cast I think one of my favorite shots of the entire series is that one shot of like nearly the entire crew in one frame which like you rarely see that happen in any of these mm-hmm. movies really like they're all in one frame so like well like planted well shot and I'm like oh like all around I think you know I have my favorites but all around I think it's it, they're all perfectly cast and there's not like a misstep in the entire cast like even Bruce Greenwood does amazing stuff here yeah. <laughs> like oh there it's Zachary Quinto uh Chris Pine and and to your point Diego I think I think the reason why the inflatable hand stuff works I think it's because Chris Pine is just so damn good at like just being, riding the line of goofy and sincere, and that's why I think he's my yeah. Uh, oh, I was just about to say he's my favorite Kirk. No, that's not right. He's close to my favorite Kirk. There's two of them. <laughs> <laughs> I still love I still love Shatner, but like he yeah, it's it, he's perfectly cast as as his own version of Captain Kirk. You know, riding riding the line of doing. He's not doing an impression of Shatner, but he has that essence. He has that aura that he nails. And, uh, yeah, it's, again, whole cast is perfect. Capital P, perfect.
2: Uh, can I ask you guys what you guys think of the villain in this? Because I think this one gets a little bit of flack for the villain.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, you know, the thing that my my co-host Max is fond of saying is that, uh, you know, the villain is, um, his whole motivation is that he's mad at Spock because Spock was late. You know? <laughs> And, like, I can see that, but at the same time, like, he's mad because his planet blew up. And he's got a lot of misplaced aggression. I mean, I know people who, you know, will lash out at you because someone else said something mean to them. So I totally get that motivation. I'm not saying it makes sense, but I'm saying that it is something that a character would do. But to me... And this is something people say this all the time with this or comic book movies or whatever, where it's like, oh, the villain is weak. Oh, yeah, no. And to me, I'm like, okay, maybe. But that's not what this movie is about. This movie is not about good versus evil. It's about these people coming together to, like we were saying, realize their full potential, something that they could only do with each other, right? So it's about a group of people finding each other in order to become something more. And that has absolutely nothing to do with Nero. And because of that, I don't really give a shit about Nero. <laughs> I don't give a shit what his motivation is. I don't, you know whatever. I mean, one of these Mission Impossible movies that I watched was um, Ghost Protocol. And the villain in that has strong motivations or whatever but he is completely absent he's basically a non-character it's like this guy's bad we need to stop him why because he's bad okay but there's not like some sort it's not like Philip Seymour Hoffman in Mission Impossible <laughs> 3 and you don't need that because that's not what it's about so who cares if his character is dumb his character is kind of dumb who cares if it's dumb eh, doesn't matter
1: and and, in ghost protocol didn't they change the ending they rewrote it where i don't know the story like the villain was supposed to be somebody else and that's why like Cruz is fighting the guy who he passed away right the 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 guy from oh yeah yeah, yeah. the original swedish versions of the girl who drank tattoo he fights him at the end which is weird (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but anyway i think that's why that villain is like i mean i agree with you mike it's not that Ghost Protocol, that's a strong villain. And here, it's like I think watching it now I caught on to the fact that Nero sure, it's not I mean, he's not like a great villain but he definitely does a lot to hurt, you know, our heroes. He kills Spock's mom and he kills Kirk's dad which is a lot for a villain to do. <laughs> um, and they have legitimate reasons to be angry at him and want to kill him at the end. I mean, I mean, he, he, he's, he killed a lot of people. <laughs> he's uh, Yeah.
0: I, I don't have any problem with that. I, I guess the problem that, that the, most of the complaints that I've heard is that his motivations are not good. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which, I don't know. He's just frustrated.
1: And remind me again, because this is like maybe the one piece of Star Trek thing that I have a problem with his alien race. What is he? <laughs> he's Romulan. He's a, he's a Romulan. And remind me who they are again? They're,
2: they're the, the bad guys... guys from uh the last movie too, kind of,
0: right? Nemesis. 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 Yeah. They're the, they're the bad yeah. guys from that. Uh, the the thing about them, they they're, they're sort of, I mean, they've are iconic for n- numerous reasons, but when they were first introduced, it was, you know, I mean the reason why they were doing it was they were trying to make a an allegory about you know racism and stuff like that, but the the idea was that the the Federation and the Romulans had like this massive war, like in between Enterprise before the original series, and it was like you know generational type of thing, and because the technology did not yet exist to do you know video conferencing like we're doing right now, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, even though they fought this massive war for years no human or Romulan had ever seen each other, right? So they didn't know what the Romulans looked like. And in the first episode that that introduces the Romulans, it's like their first encounter with the Romulans since this war. And now they see on the view screen that they have pointed ears. And the whole thing is like, there's this guy whose dad was in the war, whatever, and died and everything like that. And he sees this thing with, pointed ears on the screen and he's like oh my god Spock is a double agent you know and it's all about this sort of like you know racism and and you know judging people based on on their race you know based on how they look and and you know th- that sort of thing and um that's the reason why they look like vulcans that's the real reason why they look like vulcans but once they had those those characters in place they were like well, this is, these are really good, you know, villains. We can use them repeatedly, and they have like throughout the franchise. Like, there's after the Klingons, they're like the the number two, you know, Star Trek villain. And and I and it's really interesting here in, in 09 where they're deliberately trying to make a movie for the masses, right? And, you know, you can do Nemesis. You can give them some pointed ears. There are no Vulcans around, so who cares? And you just say, like, well, these are the Romulans and this is their thing and they got pointed ears and whatever. But in 09, when Spock is one of your main characters, if you... Put another race of aliens there, and you try saying like, "No, no, 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 no! Those are Romulans. They're not Vulcans. <laughs> they look similar because they, 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 they're technically they. I mean, the backstory is like you know they share like a common ancestor, so they're kind of like cousins. But like the, you know, I mean, like you try to explain that to like a general audience, and they're gonna be like. So Spock's one of the bad guys, right? <laughs> so you look at like what they did to the characters in this in order to distinguish them, like the Romul well, for one thing, Nero, he's missing one of his pointed ears because it's been like ripped off, yeah. right? Like he's got like a scar there, but then they also shave all their heads and give them those tattoos. So it's like these are the Romulans, they're the guys with the tattoos on their heads. You know, they're don't be confused with the Vulcans over here who don't have the tattoos on their heads. <laughs> like, that's, like, the the real reason why they did that in this movie is so that the general audience wouldn't get confused. So, uh, it, it's just, I don't know, that that's, like, an interesting thing. And there's a comic book which, of course, explains how, like, after the... The destruction of Romulus. Uh, these people decided to engage in the ancient Romulan ritual of shaving their heads and tattooing their their heads in order to whatever, because they're in mourning or something. But the real reason is they didn't want people to think that they were. Like,
1: uh, was it, was it, I, uh, uh, real quick, going back to the Romulan point I kind of knew, I didn't know exactly But I kind of knew, yeah, they're the bad guys So, uh-huh. And like, any motivation That Nero had, I'm like, he's the bad guy He's the bad guy of the series So, And like, yeah, I do remember now Like that whole, you know, generational thing So, I don't know, he's not like, He's not a terrible villain I, I refuse to accept from anybody Who says that, he's not terrible It's fun! It, yeah. It's
2: Eric Bana. If I didn't know screaming. that, yeah. If I didn't know that, I wouldn't have known. Like, if I didn't look it up and look at the credits, I would not have known that it's Eric Bana. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think people take for granted when sometimes a villain is just fun, you know. And he's screaming every other syllable. I want the box it now for everything. Like, it's so fun. I don't know. Just everyone's like the villain needs to have a point you need to like empathize it. you don't have to do shit it's not real (laughs) why do you want to empathize with like a genocidal maniac like thanos you fucking weirdos (laughs) sometimes people are just bad you want them to change spock and kirk give them the opportunity hey we'll save you if you want he's like i'd rather talk okay well nope all right (laughs) we're not doing that
0: (laughs) as far as like deleted scenes or whatever like There was like a good like 10, 20 minutes, which was cut out from the beginning of this movie, which was sort of all about the backstory of them and basically showed what they were up to for those 20 years in between the first scene of the movie and the second scene of the movie. And, uh, you know, they really got into it. It was, you know, really interesting what was going on and in a lot of ways like made their sort of motivation and everything a lot stronger. But to the point and to the reason why they t- took it out of the movie. It's like, that's not what the movie's about. And to basically stop the movie for like 10, 15 minutes, right when it's getting going in order to explain what these guys have been up to for 20 years, it's just gonna, you know, bring the movie to a screeching halt. But I'm pretty sure you can, uh, and like Victor Garber plays a Klingon in one of those scenes. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think you can see the scenes like on the, the Blu ray or whatever, but they actually um, uh, adapted them into like a three or four part comic book series um, called Star Trek Nero, which you can get as a paperback and stuff. It uh, was pretty, pretty good, pretty interesting.
1: By the way, just going real quick to the casting because you brought up Victor Garber. Yeah. I mean, it was cool seeing Winona Ryder as Boxwell. Yeah. Spock's mm-hmm.
0: mom. In old age makeup, because the scene where she's not in old age makeup was cut out of the movie. That's, so. that,
1: that, yeah. I, I, I knew there was a reason. I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, I remember that now, Mike. Um, and also Tyler Perry, um, he's there, <laughs>
0: yeah. Can I tell you the I read an interview with Tyler Perry, and he's like, um. <laughs> Someone was like, you were in the new Star Trek movie. I'm sorry if you've heard this before, um, but it's just too good. You haven't heard this before? I don't think
1: I've heard it, Now, Okay.
0: So someone was like, you're in the new Star Trek movie. Like, how did that happen? And he's like, oh, um, my agent called me up. And he's (laughs) like, uh, J.J. Abrams... Wants you to be. It started off there, like, are you a Star Trek fan? He's like, no, I've never seen Star Trek. And then, you know, they're like, so how did, how did this happen? He's like, well, my agent called me up and he's like, JJ Abrams called and says that he's a really big fan and he wants you to be in the new Star Trek movie. And Tyler Perry said, who's JJ Abrams? <laughs> <laughs> and his agent's like, he's a really big big writer, producer in Hollywood. Like he's done, you know, and he's like, check out some Alias. And and, uh, um, Tyler Perry. (laughs) Right. So Tyler Perry watched Alias. And and in this interview, Tyler Perry's like, I watched Alias and I fell in love with it. And um, I really, really love J.J. Abrams. And one of the reasons why I love him is because when I look at his work, I really see a similarity to what it is that I do. We're telling the same sorts of stories. And he's like, I love JJ Abrams, you know, can't get enough of the guy. And that's why I agreed to do Star Trek, was because of JJ. And then someone was like, Are you going to be in the sequel? And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, Well, have they asked you, like, if they ask you, will you do it? And he's like, I'd have to see the script first.
2: (laughs) What so, I he's the weirdest dude man he, he is weird, is weird. I, was trying
1: to, I was trying to find a word for it weird is good no he's like, just weird <laughs> he like the craziest thing about him I think out of the many crazy things is apparently he writes all his scripts like every single one like of every series like uh-huh. 20, 23 episodes of one season he writes all of them like and he just has like 10 shows on right now I don't know if <laughs> and and I think it's kind of shitty because I I think somebody on Twitter was like, "Oh, he only does that because he just want to pay a writer's room, right? He just wants to take all the credit and like not pay anybody any money for that." But he's he's just he- well, I respect what he has, like I a respect Empire, the, hustle yeah, a the hustle, yeah. The hustle, like, like uh. you could just get a writer's
0: <laughs> room, man. Yeah, he, he he's not good, at but I don't think there's the whole. I, I don't because, like, you look at like everything else that he does, like calling up fa- for WalMarts and saying like I'm going to buy <laughs> everything that anyone comes in to buy for the That's first good. hour. You know, I yeah. mean, like you look at like the stuff that he does, like for charity and stuff like yeah. that. I really don't see him as being, like, the type of guy who's like, I'm not going to hire anyone else because I want all the credit for myself. You know what I mean? I think he just wants to do it himself. You know, maybe he's a control freak or whatever. Yeah. But he, I mean, say what you want about his movies, and they are terrible. But (laughs) (laughs) as far as, like, human beings are concerned, he seems to be uh, pretty top-notch. You know what I mean? Seems to be. (laughs)
1: We don't know for sure, but he seems to be. He seems
2: to be. Yeah, I, I trust um, no one at this point, but I, I don't. I don't. I don't hate hey, him from what I know about him or anything. You know, I That'll mean, if
1: you know who I don't trust is directors who don't allow their actors to sit in chairs. So that's who I don't trust. <laughs> Um, reference to something that happened back in June of 2020.
2: Uh, Uh, That's made the round every like (laughs) couple months. I don't know why it blows up now, but it's, it's been out there. It's not like a crazy thing. And it is primarily for actors, which is not an endorsement still of the situation. (laughs) I'm just saying, (laughs) I would not do that is what I'm saying. I think that is silly.
1: (laughs) Diego will allow chairs you want to put
2: i will allow chairs on my sequel to the dark knight rises (laughs) the the dark knight's
1: still going i don't want this to end without me mentioning michael giaciano and his score which i've had in my head all week um i love it and i love that he has is the he has A distinct score for this movie that doesn't use the score right until the very end, to the end credits. Like Mm -hmm. the the Mm -hmm. the, let me rephrase that. He uses a new score, a new theme for the movie, and then doesn't use the original, you know, Star Trek score from the original series until the very end, right? Yeah, which is great. And the theme on its own, the original theme for this movie, yeah, it's oh, he won the Oscar this same year for Up. I'm I'm, I think yes it was up That's right it was a solid year for Gia and I love him I've loved him since he worked on alias I think he did lost he did lost also yeah Yeah.
2: his TV work is like incredible Uh, his movie works I think sometimes he stretches himself a little too thin but he's still one of the best composers working today and I think Star Trek 09 is still his best score and that is not to take away from other stuff that I've enjoyed of his, like, he did the score for the last, like, couple of Planet of the Apes movies, and those are, like, remarkable. Um, but Star Trek 09, just, like, it's it's unbelievable how good the score is. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think, I think my favorite might be, you know, speaking of Ghost Protocols, Ghost Protocol might be the one, because I think I played that one the most.
0: Um, oh, that's oh. a good one, yeah. Love it. That one's good. Mission Impossible 3 is certainly up there too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Into Darkness, which we'll talk about next week. That's definitely.
2: Oh, that's got a good score out. too. Yeah. All, all the Star Trek, mo- the new Star Trek trilogy has great scores across mm-hmm. the board. Yeah. I think we're going to differ on some other stuff though, but I guess we'll get to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll to, get that to that, uh, next week. Um, but in the meantime, um, Next week, next week's movie is Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, which is the second of these of these thingies. Um, but <laughs> of these
1: thingies, yeah. <laughs> like,
0: but we, we are also going to be watching an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine next week, and it is an episode from season six of the show. Inquisition, uh, season 6, episode 18. And even though this takes place in an alternate timeline, uh, like 100 years after the events in uh, the movie that we're going to be watching, I would say you should watch Deep Space Nine, season 6, episode 18, Inquisition first, okay? Okay. Because of the context and because what some of the stuff that we see in into darkness is taken from this episode um so uh interesting it's it's very very interesting um and then into darkness <laughs> by
1: I'm the a- way i uh, you you're going to say the opposite of what i'm going to say mike okay <laughs> you you're about to say you're excited <laughs> i'm the opposite of that i this is the episode and movie i was dreading from the beginning <laughs> I and i is- i hope I hope I'm I, I come in next week or whenever we record the next episode I'll come in, and the first thing I say is guys I was wrong I hope that happens we'll see <laughs> okay uh, um, and, Di- and Diego I'm sure loves it right Diego not to not to show your cards but I will not show my cards but I just <laughs> want to re-
2: I just want to reiterate how good this movie is. <laughs> this movie Star Trek 09 is really great and nothing can take that away from it
0: (laughs) okay alright well next week should be an interesting conversation to say the least (laughs) but until then Marcelo where can people find you on the internet they can find me over at talkfilmsociety.com
1: go there read us listen to us love us go to the Patreon patreon.com slash talkfilmsociety uh support us, get some good stuff there, some new series, some bonus episodes, some commentaries, and I'll keep pushing this because let's not forget black lives matter trans lives matter fuck the police um keep pushing it, keep pushing it um yeah, that's me
0: all right, what about you Diego? Well no <laughs> can't find you anywhere.
2: No, I'm just kidding. Uh, at the Diego Crossbow on Twitter, <laughs> the Waffle Press, uh, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and of course, our Patreon as well. Get early access to early retrospectives and stuff like that. At this point, we'll definitely be doing Avatar The Last Airbender retrospectives, so check that out when you get the chance. And uh, yeah, that's 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 kind of it right now. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's it. All right. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K. And you can also find me on my website, uh, filmdamagepod.com. Doing, well, I mean, it's kind of all in the same feed, but right now we've been doing a show called Elementary Temporal Mechanics, Which is a Star Trek reference, by the way. You know how uh, Diego was just talking about how, like, you know, science doesn't work, you know, fuck that, it's a movie kind of thing. Well, the whole premise of our show is to basically take a look at movies which use time travel and uh, dissect them to see whether or not they actually work um, (laughs) on a a logical level. And spoilers, most of the time, they don't. So we alternate between movies and um, episodes of Star Trek. We've done Back to the Future, which does not work at all. We've done 12 Monkeys, which totally, totally works. And we've done some wow. episodes of uh, Star Trek, too. I'm sure we're going to do Star Trek 09 a- in the coming weeks or months. Uh, we've also we got Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure coming out. Um, so, uh, look for that at filmdamagepod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at TempoMech. So, but that's that's it. Are you guys ready? You guys ready for this uh, this uh, this catchphrase? I'm ready. No. We're we doing All the classic.
1: Right. Oh, doing the classic one. We're not adding anything to it like last time.
0: No, no. What did we do, <laughs> to do last time? I, I forget, forget what
1: we did last time. That's why we, I asked. did. Oh, oh, oh a, I think it
0: was uh, something from the script, right? Yeah, we did a nemesis something that Riker one. said. He's like. It's it's bright in hell or oh, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay. <laughs>
1: that's right. It's bright <laughs> in hell. Like that.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. You ready? Yes. Three, two, one. I, I have, have had enough, had enough of, of you. you.